The thrill and excitement of March Mania is here, and DraftKings Sportsbook, one of America's top-rated sportsbook apps, is giving new customers a shot to turn 5 bucks into $150 instantly in bonus bets with any college basketball bet. You can find all the lines and available odds, of course, at the DraftKings Sportsbook app. North Carolina listeners, don't forget, DraftKings Sportsbook is now live in your state. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app and use code SBNFL. New customers can bet 5 bucks to get $150 instantly in bonus bonus bets only at DraftKings Sportsbook with code SBNFL. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or in West Virginia, visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 8778-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly on behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.com slash bball for eligibility, deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. What's up, everybody? Thanks for joining us today. My name's Ken Swanson. This is the Arrowhead Pride Laboratory. It's the Wednesday edition. And uh, we're going to continue to look at the 53-man roster and our predictions uh, this week. And here to help me do that are my dear pals. First, find him on Twitter, at Chief in Carolina, Maddie Lane. Hello, my friend. How are we this fine evening? I'm doing well. Camp's gearing up. We're getting close to getting some real football news, but we need to skip right past me. We need to have, should have done a late birthday present to our very own Renaissance man and asked him how his day, his birthday, his day of celebration went for him the other day and how he's doing this fine evening. Um, uh, let's talk about football, guys. <laughs> the, okay, real quick, real quick. Craig, we got done with the show. Uh, because we'd been planning to like embarrass him immensely on his birthday podcast. And the podcast got done. We stopped recording. And Craig just put his arms up. And I screamed. I was like, no! We blew it! We both forgot. Me and Maddie forgot. I did not forget. I had two possible openings. I either wanted to talk about Craig's birthday or slander baseball. And I went with the far more important topic of slandering baseball. Because a I double birthday present for me. <laughs> I decided that I wanted to post a video to Craig the next day. I thought maybe that would get more people to DM him and at him, especially with the verified thing still going around. It was a calculated tactic, Kent. You you know what? The video was nice. The chest hair was popping, I must say. And you didn't wear sleeves. Like it's. Just, I mean, that's a triple birthday present for Craig Stout right there. It's true. It's true. It's very true. But we should talk about football now. Uh-huh. A happy birthday, buddy. Uh, Thanks. You know, 30, 30, I'm not telling. Uh, okay, let's go ahead. And we're, we're, we did the skill players last week. And now we're going to do the quarterback, and we're going to do the offensive line and the defensive line. I think that's what we're going to do this week, kind of just continuing to project our 53-man roster. So, quarterbacks to make the team. I am going with three. And the reason I'm going with three is a unique situation that we are all in with COVID. I think the Chiefs need to be mindful. And I think they're going to keep Patrick Mahomes, Chad Haney, and Matt Moore. Jordan Tamu, they're going to try to keep him on the practice squad. And I think they're going to have some success doing that. I think they'll keep him around. But I think the Chiefs, I think it's smart for the Chiefs to have more veteran quarterbacks in the building 
in case something happens, in say, in case something happens to one of the, you know, one of Chad Henney and Patrick Mahomes, having Matt Moore on the available locked in, I think that makes a lot of sense. I think the Chiefs break the norm and they keep three. I think you nailed it on the head right there. They want to have as many possible veteran quarterbacks available to play. For that reason, I think they keep one off the 53-man roster, let's say Matt Moore, so that way if there is an injury, you bring Matt Moore onto the roster. He's had hopefully a lower risk to be potentially catch something going around. You hope he's quarantining himself. No other team is going to be looking at Matt Moore if he is not making the Chiefs roster. I think the Chiefs keep two, and that's Mahomes, Chad Henney. If for some reason someone gets injured or if there's a COVID-related time missed, you now can call on Matt Moore, who knows the offense. He, if, As long as you let him know that you know he's going to be the first call if something happens, he would probably understand. You hope that he's been following good you know, quarantine-like rules, and that way you just bring a guy in. Andy Reid in his presser today talked about how the rules for the NFL aren't really set up to quarantine specific players on your 53-man roster. He specifically said they didn't set up a way for that to happen, but if a guy's not on the roster, you know, you, he's not coming into contact with 52 other guys plus all the people on the staff every day. I just think that's a chance, especially when you have a veteran like Matt Moore and Chad Henney. One of them can not be on the 53-man roster, but be your first call. And if they have to get playing time, they can do it. Yeah, and you've got a good shot at winning another ring. Like if Matt Moore sits out, you've got a shot at sitting around. If one of the quarterbacks comes down with something, God forbid then Matt Moore could step right in and get a ring at the end of the year. But I do think that they're going to go with the vets. I think they're going to keep three. I think it's going to be Mahomes, Matt Moore, and Chad Henney. I just think that a running theme throughout this entire offseason for Andy has been veteran smart players. And I think he's going to stick with those guys because he knows that he's going to be able to count on them to show up and do what's right, both on and off the field, and be smart. And so I think that's going to be a real key component on this entire offseason here. So it's those veteran quarterbacks for me. I want to read this tweet real quick from Tom Pelissero because I do have a question for you guys, and I'm thinking out loud here. Uh, this is news today. Several roster changes we've, we've discussed are now official for 2020. 16-man practice squad, up to six with no limit on accrued seasons. Does that mean that Matt Moore is eligible for the practice squad? I mean, surely not, right? Up like, to six I, I, with no limit on accrued no seasons. Limit. So Man. I this is something we need to get clarification on, but the, the Chiefs can protect up to four practice squad members every Tuesday. That's the other part of this rule. So if that's the case... If the accrued season limit means anyone, with regardless of how many years in the league that they've been in there, can be on the practice squad, that's a way for the Chiefs to protect and save a roster spot. Uh, we're going to have to kind of dig into that a little bit, but I, thinking out loud, that might be the move if that's the rule. Just saying. All right, guys, I want to hear your starting offensive line. Craig, kick us off. I think they're going to keep nine, and I think... For me, it was actually pretty easy to come up with this. Eric Fisher and Mitchell Schwartz are going to be your tackles. I think Kalechi Assimile and Mike Rimmers are going to be your starting guards, and Austin Ryder is going to be your starting center. Then after that, it gets a little dicey here. Lucas Niang is definitely sticking around. That's six. 
Martinez Rankin, I think, is going to come off the pup, and that's going to be seven. And then I'm looking at Jackson Barton to make the team. They love him, a potential swing tackle. And I think that final spot is between Nick Allegretti and Daryl Williams. That's right. I would be moving on from Andrew Wiley. And that, that hurts me to say that, but I think that they've got good guard depth. And I think if they trusted Andrew Wiley, Mike Rimmers and Kalechi Osimile would not be here right now. So I think that there's going to be a young depth competition at that center position. That's an Allegretti, Daryl Williams. But I think that Andrew Wiley might make it. They only kept nine when they cut down to 53 last year. So I think that they keep nine again. I feel like the Chiefs in years past last year, I know at parts they had nine, but I feel like they had more at other times in the year. And I think in years past, they've also carried up to 10 because it's something that always angers me, seeing 10 offensive linemen on a depth chart. I think it's just a waste of space for positions that get cycled in a lot more. You don't get used for your 10th offensive lineman very often. So I have the exact same starting offensive line as Craig does. I think we talked about that during the mailbag edition as well. My backups, though, so I have 10 offensive linemen. I kind of looked at it like this. I also think Jackson Barton is going to make it. I think he's one of the backup tackles. Same thing with Lucas Nyang. So there's two backup offensive tackles right there. I think Barton's probably the last guy on the list, though, because I don't know how much flexibility he has in his positional play right now. But then up the middle, it's just such a new team because we Craig and I both have Rimmers and Osimile starting at guard. That's two new guards. I think they're going to keep extra bodies around just that up the middle just in case things aren't working. So I have Martinez Rankin making it. I have Daryl Williams beating out Nick Allegretti for the backup center spot. And then it became between Allegretti and Andrew Wiley. And both guys show a little bit of positional flexibility. But if Nick Allegretti loses that backup center battle, I think it's whoever's better at guard. And Wiley has proven that he can be a some level of a starting guard in the NFL while Allegretti hasn't. So I'm keeping Andrew Wiley and hoping the Chiefs can slide Allegretti onto this now much larger practice squad. All right. Well, things are uh, things are going to get a little bit more interesting here because I have 10 making it, boys. Uh, I've got 10 guys here going on this roster. Uh, and I know that's a little bit, this is all response to the COVID situation. Like that's really what this is for me. I am looking at it from the you know perspective of, you know, this is an unprecedented season. Offensive line play is coveted. Offensive line play is critical to, um, you know, to, to how, how teams are going to be able to survive this, I think, ultimately. I really believe, like, because there's so there's so many unknown variables with this thing. I feel like the Chiefs are going to try to be protective of offensive line. And I think that extends to the practice squad too. So I've got ten. My starters: Eric Fisher, Kalechi Osemele, Austin Ryder, Mike Remmers, and Mitchell Schwartz. I've been back and forth between Martinez Rankin and Mike Remmers a lot. I've been kind of wishy washy the last couple weeks. I think I'm I'm right now. If you ask me, I think I'd go with Remmers. My five other offensive linemen, Jackson Barton, Martinez Rankin, Nick Allegretti, Andrew Wiley, Lucas Nyang. I think Andrew Wiley sticks on the roster. I think, you know, I, I think this group here gives the Chiefs the ability to protect Lucas Nyang for the entirety of the season, which I think is fantastic. 
Uh, and, and that's the group I'm rolling with. But here's the other thing. I, I actually have projected out my, my, my practice squad too. Of course you have. Daryl Williams, Yasir Durant, and Greg Snat all making this football team. And I could see the Chiefs being active about protecting one of those guys. Doing some research here while these guys were talking to, it does seem like Matt Moore is eligible for the practice squad. Which, good on Brett Veach. I, time out, real quick. I think Brett Veach has really, like, the roster construction looks COVID-ready. Has it not felt like he's just kind of been preparing for that? Really aggressive with the undrafted free agents. Really compiling a lot of those guys. Guess what? 16-man practice squad now. And you can protect four guys on your practice squad. Boy, it's how convenient of time that is that. A couple weeks or a month ago, they signed Matt Moore. Oh, by the way, now the Chiefs can put Matt Moore on the practice squad and protect him and have their third veteran quarterback in the building on the roster. Like, I'm sorry, but I, that all just I, – I feel like he deserves a lot of credit for this roster construction for this year. I mean, he does. He definitely does. He he has done an excellent job of preparing it. I mean, that was kind of what running back was about. And, I mean, the, a lot of the additions that they've made are guys that are going to come in with, you know, good high football IQs already. You know, Clyde Edwards Hilaire. A- Andy ranted about his his football brain earlier today when talking about him and being ready for the season, you know, and Clyde saying that the, the playbook was easy. But uh, Clutchio Simile and Mike Grimmers are very smart players as well. Like, this is not, you're not bringing in a group of people and trying to teach the offense to a bunch of raw, young athletes here. They've preferred to go after maybe some some staples, some safer picks, you know, they, and they got away with it last year with Stefan Wisniewski as well. Another smart player that could come in and learn the offense quickly. I think that they are really leaning on that both in their starters and in their depth this year. We'll see how that works in future years here, but I, I am very impressed that they were able to get the kind of guys in the building that can probably contribute quickly. For me, I think it's just a more of an overall roster building philosophy than specifically for the COVID season. Because like Craig said, you look at last year, they still brought a lot of the same things. They know that their win now window is here. Like they can win right now. Clearly they did last year. They're trying to run it back. So now what you're doing is you're bringing in guys that you think can pick up the system quickly. They can get on the field to play with a roster that is very, or at least a starting depth chart that is very similar to last year. You're just trying to get guys in there that are going to make last year's team a little bit better. They've done that with a lot of their moves. And then just with the draft philosophy, you don't need 33 day three picks. Just sign and pay undrafted free agents. Your hit rate's only marginally worse. And when you're a Super Bowl champion, you're going to have other players coming to you trying to want to be on your team more so than other teams. I think they did a perfect thing with that pay a little bit of money to undrafted free agents, bring them on, bring on as many guys as you can. Use that like extra draft picks just happens to be guys that didn't get snagged up. And this year's practice squad rules, I think that's just kind of a a happy accident that fits with what they're doing. But I think it's just Brett Veach's general roster construction, which in its own right should get a round of applause. He's doing very good with it. I just don't know if it's as much about this particular season as well as just his ideology of the whole thing. 
Yeah, I don't want to say like it's entirely like he's just been prepping for COVID because I do agree with a lot of what Maddie said. Like we've raved about and like we've talked about good process and good process is trying to build an attractive undrafted free agency, you know, uh, you know, recruiting pitch more or less. Trying to be able to get those guys here in the building, um, I think is good business. It's good, you know, good business. I think they've done a really, really good job building depth on this football team. Um, and I it, some of the names that I don't have making this team. Uh, you know, Yasir Durant, Daryl Williams, Kalijah Lipscomb, Darwin Thompson, Jordan Tommy. Those are good guys to have in the building to develop. Uh, and so I'm really excited. There's a Tim Ward too, but we're going to get there in a second. Uh, we're going to, in fact, we're just going to take a break and we will be back to talk about the defensive line right after this. With Kizik Hands Free Shoes, motion sounds something like this. Kizik helps you experience the magic of motion. With over 200 patents and easy on, easy off technology, you'll never have to touch your shoes again. There are hundreds of styles and colors, plus a squish like nothing you've ever felt. For a limited time, get a free pair of socks with your first order at kizik.com socks. All right, we're laying down our 53-man roster, and we're going position by position. It's time to do the defensive tackles. Craig, who we got making the defensive tackle or making the team at defensive tackle? I've got four, and they're the obvious four. Uh, Chris Jones, Derek Nottie, Colin Saunders, and Mike Pinnell. That's right. I didn't put Breland Speaks in this group. (laughs) We'll get to him in in a second group here. He's got the flexibility there. But I think it is those four that they're going to truly classify as defensive tackles on this team. And that's about it. And they don't really have much depth behind those guys. Now, Steve Spagnuolo likes these bigger guys. He's not heavy into rotating his defensive tackles. He's not, you know really relied on defensive tackles to be primary pass rushers or anything like that. But if one of these guys goes down right now, they only have Tershawn Wharton on the team. That's kind of thin as far as depth goes. If one of these guys can't go for whatever reason, that's going to be a significant impact on the rotation because Colin Saunders in year two, we have high hopes for him, but he needs to take that next step to be that contributor. So if, Jones, Nadi, or Pinnell had to miss any time for any reason throughout the season. Now all of a sudden you're thrusting some guys into roster spots that that maybe they're not quite prepared to do, and that's going to limit what Steve Spagnuolo can do. So I I do think that they will just keep four, but I I wouldn't be surprised if they were a little bit active after cutdowns to try and maybe add another guy into this mix. For me, the trick here is Steve Spagnuolo doesn't usually rotate a lot of defensive tackles on a week-by-week basis. When he was with the Giants, he kind of picked three and stuck with a specific three with a fourth guy getting just very little run, maybe a couple snaps here and there, because as we've talked about a ton on this podcast, defensive ends are going to play a lot of snaps on the inside. Your defensive ends are going to make up a fair amount of your pass rushing downs at defensive tackle because that's just the way he likes to do things. So I'm with Craig and that the number of four defensive tackles does sound right. 
I, however, am going to count Breland Speaks as a defensive tackle, which brings it up to five. But, I mean, <laughs> it is a tweener position. He's going to play defensive end and defensive tackle most likely. I don't <laughs> think the label of where he goes really matters. This is just a defensive line talk. I think that Speaks will see more reps at defensive tackle. And like Craig said, if you lose one of these first four guys, you might need someone to step in and play a little bit more defensive tackle as a mainstay. And I think Breland Speaks, out of all the other guys that are available, is the most primed to do that, just given the general body type and what we haven't seen from him out on the edge. Yeah, we'll get to we'll get to Breland Speaks in a second for me, and it's not here at the defensive line group. I have the same four. This is the as far as any guys that like this seems like the most settled position, frankly. Mm-hmm. Um, when you look at this this roster in its entirety, I don't see Braxton Hoyt or Devereaux Lawrence pushing anybody. So you kind of have an idea of you know who those guys in along the interior really are going to be. Um, and I I do agree with Craig. Wouldn't be stunned to see them looking to try to add a, a veteran potentially along the interior as well as cutdowns happen. You know. Uh, What's Snacks up to? What's Snacks Harrison up to? Has he opted out? I know, you know, he's a free agent, but has he decided not to play? Or, you know, that's something to keep an eye on. I don't know. Um, I wouldn't hate that idea. Let's go ahead and look at the defensive ends now. Uh, we've got, uh, let's let's go with Maddie. Maddie, who you got making the team at defensive end? All right, so... I think your starters, and this little bit of, uh, if you guys went on the Arrowhead Pride yesterday, you saw my defensive end preview. This is something I talked about. I think Tano Passanio wins the starting spot across from Frank Clark this year. I think in camp and early in the season, I do think that he's just going to outshine Alex Okafor a little bit. I think they were playing at a similar level last year. I know Okafor came on right before he got injured, but Passanio's growth was huge last year. I think he and Frank Clark are your starting defensive ends. Alex Okafor, obviously one of your first guys off the bench there. Plenty of reps. Taco Charlton, I think, is going to make this roster. Being back with Frank Clark, I think you get he gets the best of his abilities coming out. And then I have Mike Dana making this the, what is this, fifth defensive end for making the team. However, I'm not sold Mike Dana doesn't get some reps at Sam Linebacker. I just, he just, his body type, I can't quite point my finger to it yet. I think we'll see his camp gets going where they think he'll play. I wouldn't be surprised to see him at end or at linebacker, but for now I'm keeping him in the defensive end group. So that brings me to a total of 10 defensive linemen with five at D tackle, five at defensive end. But these guys are going to move all over the place. Just the big takeaway is passing you is that other starting defensive end spot. Yeah, and my guys are essentially the same. I'm six defensive ends with Breland Speaks in there, but in lieu of me explaining what Matt just did expertly there, Breland Speaks and Mike Dana showed up to camp over the past two weeks. Breland Speaks and Mike Dana look smaller than they did last year, respectively. Breland Speaks looks pretty thin. You know, all things considered, he he looks good. And Mike Dana also looks like he's not wearing the weight that Michigan asked him to put on to play defensive line for them. So... Both of those guys are going to be very interesting case studies. I know we keep talking about it. I know we keep bringing it up, but now that we've actually seen how they've shown up to camp, the shape that they are in, I think it's very interesting that both of these guys are coming in at these lower weights. Breland Speaks and Mike Dana especially aren't doing that. Like 
Breland Speaks is trying to make this roster. Mike Dana is going to do everything the coaching staff asks of him. So both of those guys are probably doing that under direction from the Chiefs. So I'm going to pay extra special attention where Speaks and Dana end up actually playing. Like Manny said, I'm not going to be surprised if Dana plays a little linebacker. I do think that Speaks is probably going to play more defensive end, but maybe that sub-rush defensive tackle position. I think this is the defensive end position is the most interesting position, I think, um, on this entire football team, frankly, um, as far as just what the what the team's going to do with those guys. I, I'm projecting five. Alex Okafor, Frank Clark, Tano Passanio, Taco Charlton, and Breland Speaks over Mike Dana. And... I think the new information that we've got as time has gone on here is the Chiefs are going to be able to protect Mike Dana from being on another roster with their practice squad. So they're going to, I mean, they're essentially stretching the, the, uh, it's, they're stretching the active roster more or less to 57, basically. It's just four of them. They're getting guaranteed club control of 57 guys. If he doesn't have to pass waivers at all, I think the Chiefs might, just try to stash Mike Dana this year. Breland speaks. I think they're going to give him a shot. I think he does have inside ability potentially, which could appeal to them with only four defensive linemen on the roster and expecting Breland speaks to play inside. Having that versatility is a little bit different than Mike Dana. Um, but I think, I think I'm going Breland speaks. and I don't feel good about it. I, 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 but here's the thing. This is, this is what I, this is why I say this group, is very interesting. I want Mike Dana, Demone Harris, and Tim Ward on my practice squad. <laughs> I want all of those guys still in, in the mix and still on this roster, especially since Tano Passigno and Taco Charlton uh, are free agents this year. So you got to continue to keep that pipeline built. It's such a I, this is such a weird year, and things. I mean, even things like the the situation we were in two days ago is different than now because we now have new rules with the, with the practice squad. I mean, even that is throwing wrenches into things. Not all, you know, John Lovett gets, you know, gets released a day after the pod releases last week. And now we've got new rules about the practice squad that are really kind of making me rethink a lot of things too here. You, you really think that Brendan Daly is going to let Mike Dana off of this squad? If Mike Dana can be put on the practice squad completely protected, I think so. Yes. I don't know if he's got to clear waivers at the beginning of the year. He does. You would still have to clear waivers, and you get a set of new four every week. So, I mean, they could protect now. I'm not sure if, let's say, after the game, I don't know if there's an open period before you can set your protected players where somebody could come in and sign somebody. I wouldn't imagine so. But you do have to clear waivers to start, and then you get to reassess or reset your four protected players every Tuesday, it sounds like. I think it's a big risk. For a guy that you drafted that early in the draft, yeah, you're not wrong. I just if if he's if there's any point where he's got to clear waivers, I probably have to go with Dan over Speaks. Is really what the reality is. And that's where I wanted to go next. Is what do we think are the odds of Bre- like what would you set the odds of Breland Speaks not making the 53 man roster? They have to carry they have to carry 10 defensive linemen if they're going to do it. If Breland Speaks is making this football team, it's got to be 10th 10th. I think like working through this as we're doing it right now. I think he's if they, if he's going to make this team, they've got to have they got to carry ten off defensive linemen. Okay, what are the odds that he doesn't make it? Uh, that's tough, and, and I'm glad that I'm 
glad that we're doing both lines at once because I think that these two are tied together. Yes. Like, I've got offensive line with nine and defensive line with ten. I think if you add a tenth offensive lineman, there's not a ton of places that you can cut another dude from. Right. Maybe tight end. Maybe tight end. But I I do... Quarterback. Quarterback. I have... (laughs) Yeah, I mean, but you're right, Maddie. Or here... And, and honestly, even since the even since the the first episode where we did this, things have changed. Damien Williams, mm-hmm. no longer so okay. So Darwin Thompson, are you keeping Darwin Thompson or are you cutting Darwin Thompson? So you could roll with three running backs, or you could roll roll with four. I mean, we should address that real quick. I think all of us are probably adding Darwin, or in Craig's case, um, DeAndre back in. Correct. And I would say the only reason for it is. They are very persistent about keeping extra running back because they keep getting injured. I think there's zero chance they lose their top running back from top two running backs from last year and don't just stack it with bodies and try to go with a thinner room. Like I would be real surprised if you saw a thinner running back room after losing LaShawn McCoy and Damian Williams from last year to this year. But another thing I just wanted to bring up in the defensive line, we like Tim Ward. We, we think do. the Chiefs like Tim Ward. Mm-hmm. If he outplays Breland Speaks, is there a chance that Tim Ward is the 10th defensive lineman if Breland Speaks wouldn't be? Sure. Tim Ward has the length and the play style that Steve Spagnuolo wants at defensive end. And I have said it time and time again that Breland Speaks' best avenue towards making this team by the way he plays is defensive tackle. But that man showed up looking like a defensive end. Time out he, though. He weighed like a defensive but, end. But uh, here, here's another question. If we're going to have this conversation about hashtag run it back, why isn't Demonia Harris the 10th? Because he played last year for this team. He did. Sig- significant steps for this football team. Like, I and look I at that one. That, one hate that one's just as tough for me. This is why I say they have 10 legitimate defensive ends or eight de- legitimate defensive ends on this football team and six spots top. Well, seven. I don't. I'm not counting. I'm not counting Tim Ward yet. I think there's a chance though. But we have guys with playing time, like Demoni Harris, got a lot of run last year for this football team, and we're not even talking about him. What's Demoni Harris's ceiling, though? I think that's that's the question that comes from that. Well, here's here's what I'll say. If we're gonna have the Demoni Harris versus Tim Ward versus Breland Speaks conversation, Breland Speaks has the highest ceiling still probably because he's at least a like we have not seen tim ward play a snap since he's been at old dominion correct we have not seen one snap of tim ward since old dominion correct demoni harris is ceiling though i know i will take i will take tim ward's ceiling i will take tim ward's ceiling i'll say this breland speaks has to be the odds on favorite to win this because he has the potential to play inside a defensive tackle tim ward demoni harris don't Breland Speaks can play defensive tackle. I think it's a really interesting choice by him. If it's his choice is to come in lighter and try to play defensive end because he's competing to be defensive end five or six, like he should be, I feel like he should be buckling down on defensive tackle or at least keeping the versatility to play both because that's what, that's the only thing that separates him from Demoni Harris or Tim Ward to me. 
I don't think that he's more polished. I don't. He's definitely not a better athlete. He's not proven more in the NFL. Damone Harris's limited reps were better than Breland Speaks' limited reps on the edge. It's like he doesn't do anything better. At least we haven't seen it better than those guys. So embrace what separates you. Embrace that you are a thick guy that can kick inside. You've done it before. He needs to bring that to the table, or he is at risk of not making the 53-man roster. Here's my question to you guys. And I'm kind of starting to flip. I'm kind of flipping on Mike Dana versus Breland Speaks if it comes down to it now. Because if Dana does, if he's not going to clear, if, if he has to clear waivers still, yeah, that's going to be a little bit tougher. And you act like Brendan Daly doesn't have 17 pressure packages for Mike Dana already planned out. <laughs> Come on, Kent. But, okay, yeah, maybe. Uh, my question was this. And I... I'm just going to say it out loud, and I don't know if I totally agree with it, but are the Chiefs going to get rid of their former top 50 pick, Brett Veach's first 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 pick ever for a fifth-round pick? Do, does that look bad for Brett Veach? With the offseason no, that he has had this offseason, I don't, I don't think that – I mean, yeah, you can look back on it in retrospect and say – should have been Fred Warner. Should have been you know countless other players. It should have been Fred Warner. But Craig. I mean, you can you can look back on that and say that and try and throw shade at Veach, but he's coming off of an off season here where he locked up the future for twelve years. He won the the you know the city a Super Bowl for the first time in fifty years, and he kept a lot of these guys back. They're probably going to do it again. So (laughs) can you really get mad at him for cutting a a second round? Like, I I think if there is a situation where you could move on from a guy and not take too much heat for it, this is it. I'm flipping. How safe is Taco Charlton? I think he's in. I think he's in. And just 100%? Like, you would be completely shocked if he doesn't make it. I think he's 95% of the way in. I think he'd I think, have to show up out of shape and he just not pick up the playbook at all. And we know he is in shape. I mean, Correct. like we don't know if he's in football shape, but we know he's not completely out of shape because we have seen the workout videos. He's at least working out and looks good. He looks the part right now. The other, this is, this is just looking into every little thing I possibly can about this football team. Taco Charlton was running with the ones during drills. So I'm just, yeah. You know, so you can, you can, you know, I, I, here's the thing. Pause anytime the Chiefs put out a video because you're not. This is a PSA to everybody. This is a PSA to everybody. Here's what you do you pause every single frame of any video that they actually give you because they're not going to give you many. You got to pause and look at the frames and look at who's lined up where. And you got to go find the photos of every practice. Whenever practice starts, you got to overanalyze every single photo that's on there. You got to look for Arian Springs and see if he's lining up in the slot for the. For the ones, <laughs> or Demontre, or Demontre Wade. Wade, you got to do all that stuff. It's it. Those things matter, as evidenced by the fact that they did it's not. It's vital. Make the team. It's like the best way to overanalyze the off season. I'm telling you. But uh, I did see. I I did see Taco Charlton running with the ones. I mean, that's good. I, I think, think. Yeah, I think that's good for him. His talent and skill should make the team. Like, I feel like he should be safe based on what I've seen on film of him going back to college over some of the other guys. It's just he's a brand new guy, wasn't paid a lot of money to come on the roster. You know, if he showed up and, like Craig said, couldn't pick up the playbook or just didn't look good, like I think that's the only avenue that he would be gone. And I don't think any of us see that. And a peek behind the curtain. 
This is why I wanted to do, we're not doing it, but I wanted to do the front seven together because I almost wanted to move Mike Dana to Sam, even if he never plays off ball, but just to save me that extra defensive lineman position because I'm with you. It's hard to fix, to cut one of these guys, whether it's Tim Ward, Breland Speaks, or Dana, or two of them in Kent's case, if he's only keeping, or in Craig and Kent's case, if they're trying to keep less guys, like getting rid of more than one of those guys is going to be very difficult. I think if you can play Mike Dana at Sam, if you can push him back there, you might have to make a sacrifice at one of the other linebacker positions. But I just think that would be a move that would allow you to get more talented defensive linemen on the field. And the linebacker position, I mean, let's face it, they only have two guys on the field most of the time anyway. Why do we need six or seven or eight of them on the roster? Also, one of them is good. Two words, Maddie. Dave Tobe. Hmm. Like Dana can play special teams, I bet. I bet I could teach that man uh, how to play special absolutely. teams. Absolutely, he absolutely yeah, can I play. Know. And I've just... seen Tano Passano can't play special teams. So I think Tano Passano played special teams for real. Yeah, didn't he block a kick last year, or was that two years? Oh no, I've been on kick yeah. coverage. Like I have seen him. I get, think, oh, oh he's yes, been on we it have before. seen Tano on kick coverage. <laughs> I, I want to real quick. I want to end the show with this. Um, does Tano Passanio get an extension this year? Slash, should they give him an extension this year? After they cut Alex Oko for next year? If he earns the starting defensive end job across from Frank Clark, yes. He deserves an extension, and they get it to him if it comes at a reasonable... Like, if there's not going to be a big market for him. I don't think they can pay big money to another defensive end. Right. I don't, and yeah. I don't think Passanio is going to be huge money, but if he shows out and has a good start to the year or even a really good year earning that starting job and exploding, I don't think they'll be able to afford him. So, I don't know. Like, I think that's where it gets tricky is being able to afford him with what the cap situation looks like next year. I will go one better. If he is your starting defensive end week one... He better be paid by week three. Pay him immediately. Get it done. Yeah, buy, buy low. Buy low. Right. Offer him the Alex Okafor deal. Yeah. Because if he explodes, if he if he takes that next step, the, the step beyond the one that we saw last year, which was good, he is the kind of player that Steve Spagnuolo likes, that length, that versatility inside out. He certainly looks the part. Again, another dude at the defensive end grouping that looks the part, that plays the part. So I I think you have to do that immediately if that's the case. All right, that is going to do it for the Wednesday episode of the Arrowhead Pride Laboratory. Thank you guys so much for listening to uh, to this. It's been a lot of fun to kind of put this thing together, and things keep changing on us every week. I can't wait to see what happens as soon as this episode airs. Uh, but we'll be back on Monday with the mailbag. Be sure to keep an eye out for the AP Editor Show. We'll catch you later. Micah Parsons, come on down.